well, I am disappointed. Um, as I was told when I said I would preach this weekend that Jerry was going to lead worship. And um, even though you didn't keep your end of the bargain, I'm going to keep my end of the bargain and preach. So I hope that's okay with all of you guys. Let me also just say, even if that were true, I would veto that because I don't want to put any of you through Jerry singing on a microphone. Um, uh, we were having a conversation about that. Uh, man, when you said last thing, I thought we were done. I was like, oh, okay. That's it. Um, hey, I will say, I'll follow up. I know you hit really hard on this. I'll follow up with the group thing really quick and just say, if you are not in a group, um, Haley and I have been at Genesis for two and a half years now, my wife and I, and we, we started with a group just under two years ago, and it is awesome to watch like all of the community that is built out of a group. Like Our friends and, and everything like, came out of that at that place. So if you're looking to get connected at Genesis, like that really is the best way to do it. It is really hard to get connected and make friends by just, you know, wandering around on Sunday morning. Like if I'm being honest, I barely get to talk to all of the people that are in my group on a Sunday morning. So if it wasn't for that, um, it would be hard for us to find a community. So, hey, I have a quick question for you guys. Have you ever purchased something um, later just to find out that you had actually purchased a fake of the actual, like maybe branded item? Okay, I'm the only one that's going to look very foolish, um, and it's going to get worse. Uh, so I was searching, this was a few years ago, I was searching for a pair of headphones, and I was on eBay, and I found a pair of Beats headphones. And if you know anything about Beats headphones, they can range from like 100 to upwards of like $300. Well, these were $12. Um, and so I knew I was purchasing a counterfeit, okay? Like, I, I think there was a part of me that was hoping that maybe, just maybe, that these were actually supposed to be like $120, and someone just forgot to put the last digit on there. Um, and so when they first showed up, like, the case, it looked and it felt authentic, and the headphones looked and felt authentic. Now, this is probably a good time to mention Haley and I were newly married and broke, so I had never actually felt either of these things, so I was just going off of the fact that, like, this is legit, right? Like, this has to be, somebody else made a mistake. Um, and sure enough, like they worked okay for a while, but sure enough, like they started to fall apart. And if I remember correctly, I think the actual Beats logo was the first thing to fall off of the headphones. Um, so I was like, man, $12 gone down the drain. I don't know if we're going to pay rent this week or this month. Um, but no, at the end of the day, like I got what I paid for, right? And now counterfeit items are nothing new. Um, and whether or not you have been as foolish as I was to purchase one, uh, like they, they exist. And I think now they're more, they're more common and more prominent than ever, especially especially with uh, just internet. Um, I've seen people who purchase something for what they think to be a good price and a little item shows up like this size. It's like, oh, I thought I bought a car for $200, but it's actually a little. Um, and so, but, so I was looking, I was doing some research and I was wondering what is the most commonly counterfeited item? Um, does anybody have a guess on what that might be? Those are all really good guesses. Well, I conducted an intensive two-minute Google search, and um, so this is accurate. Um, and, I f and I found out, based on my research, that Nike shoes are actually the most counterfeited item. Now, one of these is real, and one of these is fake. And I stared at this for a long time. I could not figure it out. Um, any, any guesses? Okay, will you show them the next slide? All right, if you actually knew, and you weren't just throwing a guess out, you probably buy Nike shoes way um, too often. But while some of them are very, very convincing, others I found not so much. Like, ladies, I don't think I would jump on the Nike heels train. That's just something I would stay away from. And then some of them, like, could not even get the words right. And so I, 
Parents, I want to say this to you. If you come across a $12 uh, bag that says Nike on it, and you think, my kids will love this. Like, it's basically Nike. They won't love it. And they will not want to take that to school. So please don't do that to your children. Um, but I think whether or not you have ever been a victim of a counterfeit purchase, or like I said, made the mistake of just going after one yourself, um, that we can all agree that the real thing is better than the fake, right? Um, well, today we're finishing up a, our two-week series called Spirit and Truth. And this title comes from an interaction that Jesus is having with a uh, woman in Samaria. Now, if you've been uh, in church most of your life, or you've grown up in church, then you have probably read through the Gospel of John. Um, we're going to be in the book of uh, John chapter 4, so you can turn there this morning. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, there are, ones, uh, there are Bibles around the room, and it's on page 742. Um, but you may, you may have uh, heard of this story. It's commonly referred to as Jesus and the woman uh, at the well. And there's a, there's a good chance that there might have been a particular phrase, this particular phrase, spirit and truth, that passed you by. And maybe it's because you didn't understand what Jesus was saying or you didn't understand how it fit in the larger narrative of his interaction with this woman. But as Jerry explained last week, um, this conversation he is having with a Samaritan woman is actually a very scandalous event for multiple different reasons. And one is that Jewish men would not have uh, conversations with a woman like this in public. Like it would have been entirely inappropriate for this to be going on. Um, the other is that Jews and Samaritans, male or female, it didn't matter. Jews and Samaritans, they did not interact. They hated one another. Jews looked down on uh, the Samaritans as half-breeds, and uh, no Jew would want to be caught dead talking with them. And the third is that this particular woman had a bad reputation. She had been married uh, five times, divorced five times, and sh the guy she was with now was not even her husband. And we learn all of this. If you read through the story, you learn all of this in the conversation that she is having with Jesus. Um, but what is very interesting um, and fascinating is that we find Jesus, even in all this awkwardness, we find him where like we, we normally find Jesus, right? Like we find him talking to the people that everyone says, you should not be talking to that person. Like that's not what we do as a Jew. And, uh, but Jesus decides to do it anyway, and he engages in this conversation. And we find that this woman wants, she asks Jesus, like she asks him about worship. And more specifically, she asks him, hey, where should we worship? Um, now we, we know this, right? Like we know that God has always desired worship. Um, he, but when Jesus came, like something changed. He's explaining to this woman that, hey, it's, it's no longer going to be limited to a certain location as you understand it now. And it's no longer going to be limited to a certain race. Um, but now, like everyone will have access to worship the Father. Um, and so we're going to kind of just take a deep dive um, into this this morning. But before we do that, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and we thank you for the, uh, his life and ministry, and that we can learn um, from him. And Father, more specifically this morning, that we can learn to worship the way that you desire us to worship you. Um, so Father, would you speak to each of us individually in the way that you know we need to hear from you this morning? Um, and Father, would we soften our hearts and be willing to hear from you today? And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So let's dive into uh, Jesus's response to this woman. In John 4, 23, he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. 
Now, I don't know about you, but the first few words that jump off the page to me is the words, the Father seeks. And these should be really important words to us um, because it means that our Heavenly Father, the God who created everything, right? Like he's looking for something. Uh, he, he desires, uh, like what is it that our Father desires? Like what is it he's looking for? And Jesus says that our, our Father is looking for true worshipers. And this word true that Jesus uses here is actually written as the Greek word elithinos, and it means opposite to what is counterfeit, simulated, or pretend. That which is not only the name and resemblance, but the real nature. So Jesus is making it clear that there are fake, counterfeit, false worshipers, and he's not looking for that, right? He is looking for authentic, real worshipers. Um, and it's, uh, it's important as, as, we, as we start to talk about spirit and truth um, together and what that means because he's asking for both of these. And so uh, maybe you've heard somebody say when it comes to um, someone being true or authentic when it comes to worship or even just in personality, maybe you've heard someone say, man, this person's really authentic. Have you ever heard somebody say that? And maybe you've heard somebody use that when it comes to worship. Like, man, worship today was so authentic. Like, I, just, I was really into it. Or maybe you've heard the opposite of that, which is somebody saying something like, man, I just couldn't get into worship. It didn't feel authentic to me today. Well, whether you've said that or you've heard somebody say that, um, what makes worship authentic? Jesus said that true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. He makes it clear that our heavenly father desires the real thing. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to offer up a counterfeit. Like I, I want to offer up um, real, authentic, true worship. Um, and when, it, when you think of the word um, authentic, uh, you think about someone being true to who they are, right? Like you, when you think of the word uh, authenticity, like you think of someone being the, tr the truest part of who they are, right? Um, but when it comes to our worship as followers of Jesus, um, it's not being true to who we are, but rather true to who he is. Um, authentic worship, it's not about being true to who we are, but rather true to who he is. And let me explain. Um, Paul in Galatians says this. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when we're saved through Jesus, Paul is saying that our old self is dead and that we're alive in Christ. So we give up our rights to our old self, right? And we put on, we put on Christ. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians that whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And I think of what we believe when it comes to marriage, right? To uh, become one. When we choose to submit our lives to Jesus, um, we become one with Christ. And when we announce him as Lord, we die to ourselves. And in baptism, we're raised with him in Christ, right? So if, if we are to be true worshipers, then we have to understand it's not from our flesh. It's not from our flesh. It's not from ourselves. That would be counterfeit worship. Um, and, and this goes for anything we do in life uh, when it comes to worshiping. If, if, it's not, um, if it's from ourselves or from our flesh, it's not true worship. It's counterfeit. And so last week we learned that worshiping in spirit is learning how to worship God for who he says, uh, who he is uh, with all we are. And so today, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about what it means to worship in truth. Now, there is a lot of talk when it comes to truth about what is real, what is not real, what is fact, um, what is not fact. And um, it really seems like 
that truth is subjective today to most people. Would you agree with that statement? Like truth is what you believe it to be, right? Um, uh, don't tell me what's true. That's not true to me. And most people are like, okay, no big deal. Like whatever's true to you. But Jesus makes, uh, makes uh, the point that there is one absolute truth, that there's a real savior and his name is Jesus. And the truth is Jesus. It's everything that encompasses the person and the entity of Jesus himself. And Jesus actually claims this about himself um, in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, right? And the truth is not a thing. He's a person. So the next time that someone tries to, to quote scripture to you and, and say, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, you can know that the truth is a person, right? It's Jesus. So if worshiping in spirit is learning how to worship God for who he is uh, with all we are, then worshiping in, in truth is worshiping God for who he says he is. Worshiping in spirit is learning how to worship God for who he is with all we are and truth for who he says he is. When spirit and truth are working together, uh, we're worshiping Christ in the deepest, truest part of who we are, which is rooted in who Christ is in us. Now, I'm going to just pause for a moment and say that some of you might have checked out at the beginning of anything I had to say because you heard the word worship, and you're like, oh, I'm not really about the music stuff, so this one's not for me. Um, but I'm going to be the first one to tell you as a worship pastor that um, worship is not just singing and praise on Sunday morning. It's not. And it's also not just the message on Sunday morning either. Um, worship includes both of those things, but neither of those two things uh, that some of us limit it to, neither of those things define true worship. True, authentic worship is meant to be a lifestyle. And we learn that from Jesus, right? Like Jesus was and he still is all about relationship. Um, he is trying to help us and this woman at the well understand that instead of worshiping in a certain place at a certain time, we can now worship any place and we can do it all of the time. That's the truth. And maybe for some of you that sounds exhausting, like all of the time. Like, is that an expectation that you're putting on me all of the time? Like, I think of the one friend that we all have. You know this friend. It's the friend that calls you up all the time or is bugging you all the time and always asking of something from you. Um, if you don't have this friend, you might be that friend. So I think they say this in church, check your heart. Is that what they say? Um, but, or I think of this, like parents, this is very relatable to me. Like the little kid who, like, is always like grabbing your shirt. Hey, 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 when are we going to do this? Hey, hey, are you going to worship me now? Like, that's not Jesus. Jesus is not the little nagging child that we all love that's pulling on your shirt and begging you uh, to worship. He's telling us you can worship wherever and whenever. It's a privilege. Like before you had to travel to a certain place, right? And now you can worship me anywhere and anytime. Like we can worship him in truth by just resting in him. We can worship him uh, in truth by, while praying to him. Uh, we can worship while serving, like what we did yesterday. We can worship in truth while serving um, uh, our Father. We can do it while we're singing. We can do it while we're playing our favorite instrument. We can do it while we're doing the dishes at home or mowing the lawn. Like, you get where I'm going with this, right? Like, we can worship in truth anywhere now. Um, and worshiping in truth, it's, it's abiding in Christ. 
And if, you have, if you've been around Genesis at all, you've probably heard us say this multiple times, abide in Christ. We have to be rooted in his word. True worship, it's, it comes from the overflow of that abiding relationship with him. Like, that's the, the starting point of this. I'll, I'll share something with you that was fun. I was realizing as I was writing this that um, in one month, it'll be two years since our worship team had our first worship team night. And on that night, we sat down with our team um, and we shared with them, hey, the, the direction we want to lead our church as a worship team is we want to learn to be true worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. Um, and it's so cool to see this kind of come full circle. And circle. And now I'm sharing this with you. Um, but like this is this is um, this is something that's so important for us to understand. And we have to understand that it's not limited to this. That it's not limited to being just here right now. Um, that it is a, a lifestyle, and it has to come from that abiding relationship with Christ. Um, and we worship because of everything that we know is true of who Christ is, right? That he came and that he died um, so that we don't have to. Um, that true worship um, is knowing that the creator of the stars and the maker of everything, that he wants a relationship with each of us. And that everything that is Jesus should move us to worship him, right? Right? Maybe some of you have, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced seeing just like a really beautiful painting and thinking, how does somebody do that? Like, how, do, how can somebody sketch or draw or paint something so beautiful? Or maybe for some of you, it's a song that you've heard, and it, it just takes your breath away. Like, it's so beautiful. You're like, how does somebody make something like this? Um, or, or it's a movie. It's a movie that moves you, and you, all of a sudden you're crying. You're like, what is happening right now? Uh, I don't cry. Um, all of these things have something in common, right? Like it speaks to the deepest part of who we are. It, it speaks to our spirit. But no, no uh, song or painting or movie deserves our worship. And why is that? Because we know the truth is, as followers of Jesus, that we worship the creator, right? Like we don't worship the creation. Um, there's a creator who made the sunset that the artist is trying to, uh, you know, trying to draw. There's, there's a creator who gave the musician the ability to write that symphony that moves us, right? Like there's a creator who breathed imagination into the screenwriter and the cinematographer who made the movie. That's the truth. And so worshiping in truth is understanding um, what it is that moves us in spirit and responding to the truth, right? And I think we, we see spirit and truth played out so well in relationships. Like when you first meet someone, you're like, wow, she is so beautiful. Or wow, he is, he is so handsome and he's so strong and he's so good looking and I would be lucky to end up with that guy one day. And this is a play-by-play -play of how Haley and I got together. And um, okay, seriously. <laughs> We all know that's not true. I had to beg Haley to take me. Um, but you get that, right? Like, it's all these feelings. Like, we, we say and we do dumb things. We're like, what am I even doing right now? Um, because it, it, this person affects the deepest part of who we are. Like, we're moved in spirit. Um, but what makes a relationship work? All right, this is the truth side of it. What makes a relationship work? It can't be all the feelings all the time. That's a part of it. Um, but at some point, you, you have to get to know their likes and their dislikes, right? Like you have to, to love and honor them well. You have to figure out what it is that makes them feel loved and honored. And some of those things for us, like we enjoy too, 
right? Some of those things are easy for us. Um, but some of those things uh, that make them feel loved and honored, they don't come as naturally for us, do they? Like some, some are easy, or some are easy, but some are like it takes intentional work. It takes like the focus and determination. Um, and maybe one good example is for my wife Haley and I. Like she, her love language is touch. And I grew up in a home where I didn't see that modeled between my father and my mother. And I didn't experience a lot of that growing up. So as crazy as this may seem to some of you, like I, it, it takes mental work for me to think about putting my arm around her shoulder or reaching down to hold her hand. But why do I do that? Like I know that it loves her. I know it makes her feel loved and honored and it, and it benefits um, our relationship. And the same is true when it comes to worshiping our Father in spirit and in truth. For most of us, we've probably had that spiritual encounter. If you know Jesus, you've had that spiritual encounter. And I don't know if I've ever talked to somebody where it existed with zero emotion. Like, I don't know if anyone here could be like, yes, I followed Jesus, but there was zero emotion. Like, I realized I was a sinner and it was just like, yep. <laughs> like, we, you know what I mean? Like, I even think about, uh, I think about, um, gosh, when you take your family out, somewhere, right? Or you, you, you make memories and you take, them to, um, you take them to a theme park, right? And you, and you have all these, uh, they might not be like sad crying emotions, but you're creating these memories and there's emotions. Like the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. So there's the spirit side and the truth side. And so the truth part of it, the truth part of it is like, we, we've got to understand that for some of us, there are certain things like my relationship with, with my wife, like um, some of us, we can pray for hours on end, Right? no problem. And others are like, man, the prayer thing is like really hard for me. Uh, some of us, we love serving. Yesterday, it filled us up. But for some of us, it was draining and it was exhausting, right? Um, we're just, some of us would say we're not as much of a people person. And then there's those of us who we love singing and we love raising our hands. And others would say, hey, the music, like the music part's not really my thing. Um, and some of us, we love reading. We could pick up, we, we love picking up um, reading books or reading our Bible. And that's easy for us. And others would say, hey, I'm not much of a reader. Um, but when it comes to worshiping spirit and truth, the Father desires us to worship him. True worshipers are worshiping in spirit and truth, not self and preference. And I want you to hear me say that one more time. The Father desires us to worship him in spirit and truth, not self and preference. I know that might hurt a little bit. <laughs> And I want you to, I want you to hear this because this is really, really important. In Romans uh, 8, 1, it says this, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And it's important that you hear me say this because I want you to know I am not attacking you or condemning you this morning. Like, I want to be an encourager. I want to uplift you. I want and I desire to see our entire church worshiping in spirit and truth because it's what our Heavenly Father says he's seeking. It's, it's what our Heavenly Father desires. Like, can you imagine if, uh, as a church, both outside of our gatherings, right? It's, it, worship is relational. Both outside of our gatherings and in them, that our Heavenly Father would look down at the people of Genesis and say, those those are the kind of worshipers I seek. Like they are true worshipers. It's elithinas. It's not counterfeit. It's not fake. It's true, authentic worship. Did you know that the word worship in the Greek literally means to fall to your knees, head to the ground like this? The word that is used in true worshipers, it looks like this. And what does this look like to you? 
like helpless, right? Full surrender. All defenses are down. Like this is true worship. It can't just be what moves our spirit, right? Like it has to be spirit and truth. Now, earlier I mentioned that worship is not justified by what we do on Sunday mornings, right? But it also doesn't exclude it. And so I, I want to take a little bit of time this morning to talk about what does it look like for us together when we gather to encourage one another to be true worshipers. Because this is something that we're, we're in together. Like It's something that we're a part of together. And so first, I think it's helpful. We have to figure out, do we naturally lean towards or against worshiping in spirit or truth? Like we, ha- we have to identify that. I think it's very important to identify that. And so on, I want to break this down for you. When we worship in spirit, we're worshiping beyond head knowledge. We're worshiping with our heart, with emotion. And the spirit connects us to our Heavenly Father, and it's more heart, and it's more emotion-based. And when we worship in truth, it's, it's worshiping everything that centers on the person of Jesus Christ and his work and who he is himself, the, the truth, right? It's worshiping in response to everything we know to be true about the gospel and who Jesus says he is. It's more head and mind and knowledge-based. And it's important to take note of which one we lean towards because we can't worship with one, excluding the other. If we're, if we're to worship in spirit only, We'd find a room filled maybe with people who are worshiping out of their emotions, but nothing to ground them. And maybe some of you have been in a room like that before. But on the other hand, if you're to worship in truth only, then you might find a room of people who are too puffed up on their own knowledge to respond in what Christ calls true worship. And maybe some of you have been in a room like that before. And it's so important to identify this because Jesus doesn't say that, hey, the Father wants a church, some who worship in spirit and some who worship in truth. That's not what he says. He says that he is seeking those who worship in spirit and truth. And so there's no cop out for us. Like we can't pick one. Um, uh, But I'll be the first to say this, okay? Like I don't have it all figured out when it comes to worshiping in spirit and truth. I don't have it all figured out. And I know that I lead worship every single weekend, and I know that my title is worship pastor. Can we change that, by the way? Because it sounds like I should have it all figured out, right? You know, like uh, worship pastor. Um, But like, I'll share a little bit about my story. I I grew up in a uh, heavily truth-only environment. That's the type of church that I grew up in. Uh, The idea of engaging your spirit, it was like almost frowned upon. I'm serious. Like any type of emotion was frowned upon. Um, And uh, even now, like especially on days where I'm standing or I'm sitting where you guys stand and sit, there there are days during worship where like, I just, I'm not in the mood. I don't know if any of you truth people can relate, but like, I'm just, I'm not in the mood. And it, it, it doesn't mean that I don't believe. Like I know it's true. I know Christ is who he says he is, but I don't feel like engaging beyond what I know. I don't. Um, sometimes it's, I've had a bad week, or I'm currently having a bad day, uh, or if I'm being honest, this is probably the core of it. Most of the time, it's because I haven't been deeply rooted in his word that week. Here's the thing, whatever the, whatever the case is for you, like, I can speak for myself in those moments, like, I just, I check out. But I have to remember and I think back to the times of like what I shared with you earlier about my wife. Like, remember how I said I have to like think about putting my arm around her? I have to like think about reaching down and grabbing her hand. 
like the same is true in our relationship with Christ. Like I have to choose to engage my spirit. Why? Because it loves and it honors him. Because it's what makes our relationship work. Like if I didn't, if I chose not to engage that with my wife, we would probably just be coexisting, right? But I wouldn't be truly loving and honoring her well. I have to paint a mental picture sometimes. So I want to share something with you this morning that hopefully um, will be helpful for you. Whether or not you lean towards the truth side or the spirit side, there's something that we need to remember. Um, there's always one answer, and it's the Sunday school answer, and we know, all know the answer, Jesus. And so I want you to imagine just for a moment that Jesus walks through those doors. And he sits in this chair. The God who gave up his throne, right? The God of the universe who came down and took on flesh um, and died for us, right? And even as we continue to run a sin against him, God still sent his son to die for it. He is sitting right here. And we look down and we see his nail-scarred hands. And we can see the obvious scars around his hairline where they pierced his skin with a crown of thorn. We look into his eyes and we see love, and we see joy, and we see peace. What do you do in that moment? Jesus is right here. What would you do? Like, would you just remain in your seat, sipping your coffee? Maybe some of you would like gasp out loud at the sight of Jesus walking in the room, or maybe some of you would break down and cry. Maybe some of you would just run up to him or fall to your knees and worship him. Maybe some of you wouldn't even know it was Jesus. Or maybe some of you wouldn't care. But can we all agree that everything changes when we physically imagine Jesus sitting right here with us right now? Like, didn't, didn't something change the moment that you imagine Jesus walking in and sitting here? Whether it's self-confident, uh, whether you're self-conscious about um, the whole, like whatever it is about yourself sitting there, oh gosh, I'm on my phone, what would Jesus think right now? Whatever it is, you know, like something changes when we imagine Jesus sitting right here, but what's the truth? The truth is, he is here, right? Like he, he has already told us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. As followers of Jesus, um, after Jesus commands us to go and make disciples, what does he follow up with? He says, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And, I, and he couldn't make it any more clear in John 14. He tells us, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Why? Because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. You know him. So what's the truth? He is here, right? How will that change the way that we worship him right now? It's not an imagination anymore, right? Like Jesus is here. This is, just, this is just like the vehicle that helps me get to, right? That mental picture to remind me of what is true. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I just wanna help facilitate a conversation between you and Jesus this morning. With the truth of knowing that he is in the room with us now, what would he say to you right now? 
would you, what would you say to him? Can we do that this morning?